Hi, everyone. This is Casey Main, author of the book, I Gave Up Men for Lent, the story of a jaded, hopelessly romantic, health-conscious party girl's search for meaning. And you are listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 205 of Chasing Dreams. Can you believe it? It's September 2019, and we're into our fifth episode after 200. Mind-boggling, guys. It's crazy. We wouldn't be there if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much for your support, whether you're listening on iTunes, podcast, um, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever it is. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, and if you didn't know, we are also on YouTube. So you can watch the video of me and Casey chatting over on uh, our YouTube playlist where you can find us. It's amyj21.com slash YouTube. So fun guest, Casey Maine. She released her debut book, I Gave Up Men for Lent, the story of the jaded, hopeless, romantic, health-conscious party girl's search for meaning in this past February, 2019. She was born and raised in Florida, she enjoyed a successful career in the corporate world before leaving it all behind to pursue her dream of becoming a full-time writer, which I have got to talk to her about. She holds a bachelor's degree in psychology and communications and a master's degree in business administration. And she's here today. Casey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. And I'm so excited to talk to you because um, well, I'm going to be honest, it was the book title that caught my eye. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, how could I not? <laughs> it's funny the book title um either catches people or turns them away because they then kind of have all these assumptions about the book so i've realized it's it's very hit or miss uh, that that may be true it was a hit in this point so perfect there is that so let's get to know you a little bit we're gonna play some question and answer with the okay. set of random questions from this oh little boy. box all right you ready yep what is a example of a household disaster that has happened to you? Oh, a couple weekends ago, the refrigerator broke oh. and I just moved into my boyfriend's place and he was at work when it happened. And so it became this whole big stressful thing of me trying to handle it when he wasn't there. And then we went and bought a new one and we bought it off the floor and had to try and carry it up the stairs. And it was just... Oh my it gosh. <laughs> but we survived. And uh, so our first kind of a drama, I guess, of living together. <laughs> it yes. happened very quickly. No, nothing says welcome to your new home than a broken refrigerator. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Lots of fun. Um, oh, this is controversial. Which city has the best barbecue? Ooh. So, oh, I don't know how great my answer is because I don't know that I've been to a lot of really great barbecue cities, but my sister used to live in Charlotte okay. and I had some really good barbecue there. So I'm going to have to say Charlotte, North Carolina. That's fair. That's okay. fair. Okay. I have to admit and confess that really the only way I taste other barbecue places and sauces for what they're known for is mission barbecue. 
And their mm. sauces. I'm a fan of the Baltimore one, the crab. Kind of <laughs> like, I, I know. It's, I'm a fan of any kind of mustard-based There was one. There was one like that. I was yeah. not. But, you know, to each their own. Everybody has yeah. their own preference. Yeah. But it is controversial. I know some people I take know. that really seriously. Oh, yeah. You know? All right. Would you rather age forward or backwards from this point in time? Forward for sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't want to revert? <laughs> no. You were no, very quick and not. solid in that answer. That's yeah. the part that intrigued me. Yeah. No, I, um, I, I'm ready to see what comes next. I have spent enough time reflecting on the past that I don't feel the need to go back and do any of it over again. So I'm just, I'm ready for the unknown. Respect. Respect. All right. Next question. What was your best vacation ever? Hands down. Ooh, my best vacation ever. That's a tough one. I would say um, my family, we went when I was younger, we went on like a fishing vacation in the Bahamas, but it wasn't like the touristy part of the Bahamas. We were in the Abacos, which is like the out islands. And so we rented this house and rented a boat and everything was very quaint. There was like, you know, no technology. And so, you know, there's no cars, like you ride around a golf cart mm -hmm. or like take the boat to lunch. So it was just a very, um, I guess, like a rustic island vacation. All right. All right. Did I say last question? I feel like if I said it, I want to do this. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, it's ironic. And so I, I'm just right. going to say what the question is, but we're going to do a different question. What's in your refrigerator now? Oh. <laughs> Which is just, it's just ironic. It really is. Given the fact that the first question talked about the fact that your refrigerator died. Um, I know. If you could have a lifetime subscription to any publication, which would you choose? I think I'd have to say Time Magazine. Hmm. Any particular reason? Well, this is kind of random, but I've noticed in like the grocery store that they've started doing these like special editions where, where they'll talk about like happiness and mm -hmm. mindfulness. And I'm like super into all that stuff. Yeah, so they I've do, noticed that like, too. Yeah, they do these like deep dives into into the those areas. And so I just, I like that. I can't help but buy one every time I see it. Mine would probably be Entertainment Weekly. Oh, I just I love when yeah, they do pleasure. special issues and I love the the reporting they do. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I used to collect them like the special ones I liked. Uh, Harry Potter, Hunger Games, Wonder Woman, those mm -hmm. kinds. So I would have to do uh, that. I'd say that's a good one. That's yeah. a solid answer. Yeah. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. Uh, <laughs> thanks for being such a good sport. We got to know you a little bit better. And now let's talk a little bit about. Your book. And, and actually, I want to take it a step back. I want to kind of get back to uh, young Casey. Mm -hmm. And what did young Casey want to be? Did young Casey want to be a writer? So, no. What's funny is I, I wasn't really aware of my desire to be a writer until um, a couple of years ago, actually, like when I wrote the book. But writing was always something that I did. Like mm -hmm. I wrote poems and I would write um, like letters to people, like writing was always kind of my more comfortable way to communicate, especially kind of like feelings and stuff. But I just think I, I don't know, I didn't have like the awareness as, as a kid of like, that oh, sense. that's a job. Like, right, I, right. I think, I think I live very much in this kind of box of like, oh, you are either like a doctor or a nurse or kind of like all the like, I don't know, like mainstream kind of jobs you just, you hear about as a kid. Yeah. And 
when I was little, little, I remember thinking I wanted to be a doctor. And then I was like, Oh, I don't know how I'm going to do with that. with like the blood and guts thing. Um, and then when I went to college, I wanted to be a child psychologist. Um, and so I did get an undergrad right. degree in psychology, but then didn't end up pursuing that further, which is now just funny because now I've kind of come back into this space of my life where we'll talk I'm very into like all things psychology. Yeah. We'll, and we'll talk about that. So how did you go from psychology to business? So I picked up a second degree when I was in school, mm -hmm. um, really at the advice of my father who pointed out with just a psychology undergrad, there aren't a ton of job options. Like you typically then have to go get more schooling, like a master's or a PhD. And he just pointed out, he's like, you know, you might want to pick up another major in case you don't want to just go to more school after you graduate. And so I thought that made sense. And I knew that I was a decent writer and I knew that I was like a decent like kind of public speaker to the extent that I had done public speaking at that point in time in my life. So, and uh, the college I went to had a great communications program that you had like apply to get into. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll go with communications. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up getting an emphasis in public relations and was really kind of intrigued by that major. And then my dad was kind of right. By the time I graduated college, I didn't want to just immediately go to more school. So um, I got my first job in public relations. And then, you know, I mean, from there, you kind of, your career just kind of takes on this path of its own. And without you really ever having those check-in points of like, what do I want to do? You always kind of seem to take the next step. Right. And and that's what happened to me. And so I did end up going back to school, but for a master's in, in business administration instead of a PhD in psychology, which is what I had always wanted, which is just kind of shows how like, I guess, off track I had gotten. Yeah, it's interesting you say and, and kind of describe it as off track, because I think you're absolutely right that once we get into a job, right, our career path kind of tends to follow that job. I, mm -hmm. for example, worked at NASA Goddard as a intern, as a co-op, as an employee. And I think I would have, I could have been there today if I had not chosen to get off of that track, off of that path, because I wasn't, I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled um, with what I was doing there. Great place, amazing coworkers. It's nothing like that. It just wasn't the fit for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, when people are in a job, the natural tendency is after a year, you get a promotion you or a raise or something for two years, and you kind of just keep going where that track leads you. You may look within and move, but it doesn't always happen, right? Exactly. And then it's like, so then that kind of builds out your resume more for that same career field, yeah. like almost like a deep track and making it harder and harder to ever. So it's, I think that happens to a lot of people and it had, it had certainly happened to me. And you said something interesting is that you didn't really have uh, checkpoints where you could kind of check in and say, hey, is this really what I want? And it's intriguing that people in corporate jobs or people in jobs in general often don't have time or don't realize that you can check in with yourself and pivot if you need to, right? Because you're so caught up in the work you're doing. Did you find yourself outside of checkpoints? Did you find yourself ever? I feel like it implodes at some point. At some point, you're just so yes. frustrated with what's going on. You implode. And so did yes. you find yourself at that point? Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's that's pretty much what spurred the book is. I don't know that it was so much like an implosion. It was more 
like a disconnect. Like I just realized I felt very disconnected from my life kind of on, on all levels. Like I just didn't, I never got really excited. I didn't feel real inspired. I was kind of just like going along and I felt a lot of like guilt about that because by all societal standards, I had a great life. Like I had a good job, close family, good mm-hmm. friends, you know, cute apartment. Um, I, I was single at the time, which, you know, I, I could say that was a reason to be unhappy, but ultimately like I, I had a good life on paper. I had like checked all the boxes sure. and kind of done everything that we were supposed to do. But I just, I don't know, like the way I describe it in the book is I just felt like blah, like I just wasn't like excited about life. And and then I had just kind of a, a drunken makeout mistake with a guy friend of mine. And that was right before Lent was coming up. And I wasn't, I wasn't very religious, so to speak, but I was raised Catholic and I always loved the, the concept of giving up something for Lent. So that's why I decided to give up men. And then I added in that social media sweets and hard liquor just because, I don't know, I, I guess I was embarrassed to only give up men for Lent. <laughs> And what it, what it ended up happening was like, that just ended up being a huge check-in point Mm -hmm. for me because like all those things were just distractions. So I had never really done any, I guess, check-ins or really any kind of level of self-reflection to be like, hold on, am I happy with my life and the direction it's going and kind of how I feel? I, I never really done that because I kind of just kept, kept going. So yeah, that it, it wasn't so much an implosion. It was more a realization of disconnect and then, and then a big check-in. Well, I, I think your observation of guilt is so accurate. I mean, even people listening to this episode, guys, if you're listening and you're feeling guilty because, and this is the key, you have a job, you're mm-hmm. in a stable place in your life and you're not happy. How dare you, right? That's, it's almost how you feel like, who am I to complain when there are people who are unemployed looking for stuff? And here I am making X number of dollars with a roof over my head, health insurance, benefits, all this stuff. And I'm not happy. Like mm-hmm. there's, there must be something wrong with me. And I know uh, that's a normal thing, guys. I, I guess the point is you don't have to feel guilty about it. It's true. I think, I, I think that's a big part of it. I think if, yeah. if we don't have anything kind of, obviously and like majorly wrong with our life Mm -hmm. then then if we're feeling any level of off or just like not totally fulfilled we think there's something wrong with us like we feel like we don't have the right to feel that way and we do that a lot because of comparison because we compare like well I'm not this or I'm not in this situation or I don't have this going on and like that's logical but when you really think about it it doesn't really make sense because you only know like your perception of things and your feelings and like your feelings are, are valid. So like we should pay attention to them versus just like push them aside. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that, that you said that because it, it comparison is like the death of a lot of things. It really does hurt more than it helps guys. And so one, stop comparing and two, stop feeling guilty. And so when you went through this and you were going through that with what you had at that moment, not implosion, but kind of there, um, it sounds like writing was an outlet for you, but yes. what makes it such a thing where you go from writing uh, poems, stories to writing a full out book about this? What, in- <laughs> what inspires that? So I had, I had always wanted to write a book. I don't know. And, but I had like lost touch with that goal. Like I was aware of when I was younger, like, oh, I, w- I want to write a book one day. 
I, it's like, I just, while I'm on my track of my career, I just like forgot. And so during the whole Lent big self-reflection check-in, um, you know, a couple things happened that just really got me thinking, I started journaling and I had never really journaled before, but it was a, probably a couple weeks into it. It just, it felt really good. So I was like, okay, I'm going to journal every day of Lent. Like, I don't know what's going on, but this just feels good to start to get all these like thoughts and huh. feelings out. And so it was a couple weeks into that, that I just kind of realized I'm like, huh, I'm like, this could be the book that I've always wanted to write because I just had this feeling like what I was experiencing and kind of the internal struggles that I was facing weren't unique to me that, that other people had to be feeling the same way. So, um, and, and it's funny cause I, and I know we'll probably get into this in terms of like, how do you tackle this kind of stuff? But I really only ever took it like one step at a time. I didn't really think much further than that because then I think I probably would have freaked out. So while I was writing it, it was really just that like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to write, I'm going to write this first draft. And I didn't really think about what I was going to do with it while I was writing it. So wait, it was like wait, very so you, you didn't even think about publishing when you wrote it? It was more right. cathartic? I mean, I, yeah, I thought like, okay, maybe I will, but I didn't spend a lot of time in that thought process of Got trying it. to be like, okay, I don't know how to do this. Like, what am I, what are all the different routes? Like, I was like, that doesn't matter right now. All I'm doing right now is writing it. And so I just kind of lived in that mental space. Do you think that's why you were able to write it? Um, I, I don't want to just say it was quickly, but be able to get it out is because yes. you didn't put that pressure upon yourself? Yes, for sure. And I, I, I did to some degree. So once I had decided, because we always put pressure on ourselves, like, okay, I'm going to write it. Um, True. I, you know, after Lent, so I journaled every day through Lent. And then when that was done, I had, you know, to go back through it and I had to fill in backstories and flush stuff out. And so it, I had set this like completely unrealistic goal for myself to be done with the first draft in like a month or something. And I blocked out on my calendar, like, you know, cause I was working still full time. So I blocked out on my calendar, like every evening, you know, from six to eight, I'm going to write. And I just, that did nothing but just stress me out more. And then it's like, I couldn't write. And then I was exhausting myself. And it was a couple close friends that were like, you should probably like take the pressure off of yourself yeah. a little bit. And so then I just, I started to just dedicate my weekends to writing. And so it was a sacrifice in the sense of, you know, I wasn't doing a whole lot of social stuff, but I would, I, I had this great routine where I would go to bed early on Friday night because I was tired from the week. I'd get up Saturday. I'd go watch the sunrise. I'd go straight from that to like a little local coffee shop and like set up at a table and just write like all day long. And then sometimes I do the same thing on Sunday. So it, and that was a lot, but it was very like invigorating at the same time. And because I kind of gave it its own days and like its own time, instead of trying to squeeze it in, you know, on the same days as my corporate life, it was much more manageable. Yeah. I love the idea that you've kind of set aside time for this venture that you were doing. Right. And you didn't have the pressure of, you got to publish, you got to get it out, come on, but that you kind of respected it enough to take a step back and say, hey, I'm going to give you this time mm -hmm. and we're going to work on this. I still don't know what it's going to do, but I'm going to try. And yep. I think oftentimes when we face that challenge and pressure that you were talking about earlier, especially working nights and it becomes a chore, uh, people stop. Yes. People stop. Yes. I think people stop because because we apply too much pressure. And I think that pressure is really coming from our tendency to set all these like 
goals and deadlines for ourselves and to plan out into the future. And yes, to some degree, you have to do that. But I really strongly believe that when kind of a really like a big challenge or a big, big dream, really just doing one step at a time is, is the most sane way to do it, I guess, Um, because there aren't any real deadlines. There's only the deadlines you set. So if you kind of give yourself a little bit more space, if you, you know, need to just step away from it, say for a month, then maybe that's the right thing to do rather than like push through it. And I know that that's maybe contradictory to a lot of other thought processes in terms of how to tackle a challenge, but it, it worked. So that, that's really what I know. Well, see, I like that though. And that's, and the reason is, is you, you're right. There is no real deadline except the ones that we accept. Cause I think some people think the deadline's set by society, right? That you're married by 28, that you're, you have kids by 32, that you're in a happy home by 40, you know, if you're not on that timetable, then you're late. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think you're not, guys. <laughs> oh, I completely agree with you. As I sit here, 35, no kids, not married. So like having just gotten to a serious enough relationship that we've moved in together. So yeah, I guess I just, I don't do well with <laughs> with deadlines and yeah. timetables in general. Yeah. Sitting here at 38, fine. Oh, am I 38? Yeah, I'm 38. I had to think about yeah, that. I forget too sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to be 39 but either way I'm I'm fine I'm living life and I'm happy and that's the other thing I think people have a hard time believing that if you don't fit the timetable you can't be happy this is the only way happiness comes and I think what we want to share with you guys is it's not right I think that there's so much in in society and in culture that tries to fit life into this mold of mm-hmm. this is the way you do it like and maybe it varies depending on kind of the, the world that you grow up in. Sure. But like for me, it was very much like you go to college and then you get a job and mm. then you get married and then you have kids and then, you know, you stay in your job and you promote up and then eventually you retire and, and yada, yada, yada. And yes, that works for some people. I also know people that have like forced themselves into that mold and it didn't work. And then there was some kind of an implosion. Mm-hmm. I was like trying to fit that mold, but just... I don't know, I guess kind of like failing miserably at it and then finding out I'm, this is not what I want. And I don't know what my, my path and like my mold looks like, but I guess now I've had this realization. It's like, well, I'll just figure it out as I go. Like who, there's nobody to tell me like I'm, and I think that's, I think that's one thing where it's like, we all kind of, we can fall into this like herd mentality of the way we're supposed to do life. But I think it's more important for everyone to kind of have those check-in moments and figure out how do they want to do life, like unique to them and then do that. Because if that's what you want to do, then it's not wrong. Yes. I think Freya in um, Avengers, right? Freya, Thor's mom says it best. You know, it's not about who you're supposed to be. It's better to be who you are. Yes. That's like goosebumps. Right. That's, that's Mm -hmm. what we need. Um, And I love, I love that, that you kind of talk about that. You, you write about that and that you're living that, you know? And so let's talk about the book, the fact that um, let's talk about the title and you searching for meaning and how, what, what? (laughs) So the book is really ends up being just a lot of like, 
self-reflection. So it's told as like my life story. And so I do reflect back on relationships and then just even life decisions, like mm-hmm. going back to where I decided to go to college and how I decided my major and, and all of that. But it's really the, a lot of the questions I ask myself are very relatable to every, it's essentially kind of that struggle face of exactly what we were just talking about. Be who I'm, who I feel like I'm for whatever reason, whether it be pressure from family, friends, society, mm-hmm. culture, who knows, or just figuring out like who I actually am. And I just realized like how much I had let outside influences kind of direct my life. And, and so the book is a lot of, of that process of, of realizing that. And then, you know, once I was done writing it, then it was like, okay, now I've got to you know, do something about it. So um, the first step was, you know, moving forward with publishing the book. And as I was getting ready to do that, I started to just get really like excited and inspired by it. And then, you know, I'm driving to my corporate job and I don't want to be going there. And then I'm sitting at work and I'm not really mentally there, which is not fair to my employer. Mm-hmm. And so I did reach a point where I decided to jump ship and I, and I left the corporate world to kind of go all in on promoting the book and trying to make a career out of writing. And, you know, now I'm in this just really kind of interesting place of realizing I don't really know what I'm doing and I'm new in this game of, of writing. And so I'm still like, I, I don't want to make it seem like it's all this fairy tale and wonderful. Like it's, it's difficult and I'm still very much figuring it out as I go, but I don't know. There's something about that that feels better than kind of the, just going along with like the corporate sure. flow of things. Sure. And, and I just want to share like you have a number of amazing reviews and one of them stood out to me and said this uniquely written story, more like a conversation with your best friend. And, mm-hmm. and I love that. And um, we'll have you asking yourself questions who I am really taking personal inventory, what have my actions have created, and setting goals to achieve both short and long term. And it goes on and on. But, you know, the fact that it's not just your own reflection, but that you're sharing, hey, guys, reflect on yourself, right, mm-hmm. is amazing. And, and not everyone can do that. And so I love the bravery you show. And I say that because you're right, right? Um, you've jumped in headfirst into being a full-time writer. You're being brave enough to admit it's not <laughs> as easy as you thought it would be. It's right. not. How many, how many, how long has it been since the, you made the leap? Almost a year coming up on a year. And, you know, it's kind of like goes back to what we were saying earlier about the further you're in a career, like that's what your resume lends itself mm-hmm. to. Like I have a great resume, but it lends itself to writing. Like my resume is full of sales and marketing and public relations and, you know, all these jobs that I had taken and done well at, but wasn't, kind of what I want to be pursuing now. So I'm feeling very much that, um, that challenge of trying to really kind of jump onto another track because, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm fresh out of college trying to start a new industry, but I'm, I'm 35. (laughs) Yeah. And and let's talk about that a moment, guys. I want you to understand she, she is set. Casey has been set for a corporate track, right? Could have been, uh, director, VP, she could have, she kind of gone all the way, right? That track was what she was on. She literally jumped from the train onto hopefully another train, but she's hanging on to that train from the outside. Oh yeah. Right. You're not on the train. The train tracks have bumps and bruises and ups and downs. And this is why I'm saying she's brave because she's facing the fear of the unknown. 
Yes. She doesn't know where this train is going. The other train had a path and a destination. Casey is going a one-way track that's unclear. She could always jump back onto the other train, but I don't think she'd be happy. Like, we talked earlier about guilt. We talked earlier about happiness. And not all of us will recognize or take the time to reflect upon ourselves and realize that we need to jump the train. Mm-hmm. And I, that's why I'm very uh, proud, impressed, uh, respectful of the decision you made because I know it's not easy. Thank you. No, it, it, it's not. And that's why I, I love your your mantra for the year of like embracing your fears, mm-hmm. because what I realized about, you know, the the that's a great analogy, the train that I'm like clinging on to for dear life, but by no means inside of it. And it is very unknown. But kind of what I kept telling myself when I when I decided to do this was like, I'm smart. I'll figure it out. And it's like for the first time in my life, I haven't had that set plan and that security. But I've just also, I have this new view of kind of the unknown and the fear associated with it. And really, I don't know why we assume the unknown is going to be bad, but like we do. And so that's where the fear comes from. But for the most part, our fears are all just, they're assumptions. And so if you really think about them, it's like, oh, I can't do that because what if, what if, what if, but all those what ifs are just guesses. And um, there's this writer who I love, I think his name is Pico Iyer. I quote him a lot. I hope I say his name right. And he says like the what ifs point in both directions, but we only ever talk about like the scary direction. So I, I mean, I definitely still get scared and I, I have ups and down days. Like today was a good day. Yesterday was a bad day and where I question everything and I, and I feel very nervous and, and very scared about the unknown, but I don't know. At the end of the day, I'm kind of like, okay, all of my fears aren't necessarily warranted. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know how things are going to go, but I do know that like right now in this moment, like I'm okay. So nothing's that bad. Like I've got a roof over my head. I ate today, so I'm good. I'm doing good. <laughs> You know, actually, what you just said kind of leads towards why we're afraid of the unknown, right? The security, the safety, roof of our head. Will we be able to eat those um, life sustenances? Questions that we kind of freak out about. Like, if I do this, if I do this path, am I going to be what they call the starving artist? Am I going to be a homeless? Am I going to not be able to survive? And guys, I can't guarantee you the answer to be no. I I wish I could. But I think that you don't give yourself enough credit to think about the fact that there are other ways to figure things out, right? Sell stuff, right? Get a part-time job, right? Yep. There are ways so that you don't have to be struggling and suffering. Um, Casey, can you talk a little bit about how you were able to make that leap and still not freak out about the fact that these necessities of life, and we're gonna, I'm going to call it the necessities because, you know, yeah. having Chick-fil-A isn't the stress. That shouldn't be the stress. That shouldn't be the stress, but like, how do you handle that? Yeah. So, um, you know, I kind of remind myself that, you know, aside from crazy circumstances, like you don't become homeless overnight. Mm -hmm. Like that's a process to get there as well. So I think we kind of all have our own like threshold of comfort in terms of, I guess, how close we get to not being able to like afford necessity. And I think if, not uncommon lot of people's success stories that they got super close to that moment yet Mm -hmm. they kept going and so I don't I guess I just maybe it's naive positivity but I stay positive that like it 
it'll turn around before I get to that point. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm very close to the point of having to get a part-time job. That's something like I start to look for and, but it's like, I'm not there yet. So it's, I think it's having a realistic awareness of what your circumstances are. And, and I will say that I am, you know, I, I don't know if I'd say lucky, but from a financial standpoint, I'm lucky because I don't have a lot of the responsibilities that other people have in terms of like, I don't have children. I don't have a mortgage. Um, my car, thank goodness is, is paid for. So I'm just going to drive that sucker in, until it dies. And, and really the way that I was able to, to make this leap is when I started to be like, okay, I'm going to want to do this. Like how I'm going to have to save a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. How do I, how am I going to save a bunch of money? And I knew like my biggest expense was rent at the time. So I'm like, all right, I need to decrease that. So, um, you know, I looked into getting a roommate at 32 years, really want to do that. I was very used to and comfortable sure. living on my own, but I was like, okay, if this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. And it's kind of funny how it all worked out. Like I'd given notice to my landlord and then the roommate situation fell through. And so I actually ended up moving in with my parents at 30 or wait, no, this was 34 at 34. Um, yeah, last year. And, you know, that was kind of an, a little bit of an ego or it could have been because that could be seen as very embarrassing. And my parents even struggled with it because they were like, we don't want our friends to think we're, you know, enabling our daughter who's just left her Mm -hmm. very successful career. I mean, I was, I was making good money and I, and I quit it and I, and I left my apartment and I moved in with them and I just moved out a couple weeks ago. So I, you know, I lived with them technically for almost a year, even though I guess for the past six months, I wasn't there. Um, but so I had that. And so a lot of people, okay, well, I don't have to move in or they wouldn't, you might have somebody and just start asking. Like, I know that, you know, I have friends that have said like, Oh, well you can come and stay with me, you know, if, if you need to. So I think a lot of times our pride can get in the way of making some of the asks that people would probably be more than happy to do to support you in pursuing whatever your dream is. So, you know, you, you sometimes have to think a little bit outside of the box or outside of your comfort zone of what your living conditions, you know, what you lo- want your living conditions to be. But I also think, think that that's not outside the norm of, you know, some, some of people's success stories of, you know, where they've lived or, you know, what they've survived off eating. So it kind of ultimately, I think, comes down to like, how badly do you want it? Because if you want it badly enough, then you'll sleep on the couches or move in with your parents, the ramen noodles or, you know, whatever that, whatever that looked like for you. I love that you said that because um, it's absolutely true. We, we allow pride to hold us back from asking for help, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, it's twofold. One, you got to ask for the help. And then the second thing, remember to thank them for helping you. Oh, yeah. Right. Don't, don't just look at them like, what'd you want? What'd you expect? I mean... They're helping you. Um, but, you know, whether it's your parents or friends in their couch, whatever it is, I think we don't give our, the people in our circles enough credit for it. Right. We, we definitely don't. And ironically, like that's asking for help is something I struggled with for a long time. So that was even really a, a big moment for me to kind of have that conversation mm-hmm. with my parents. And then I, I had to continue to have it because when I initially moved in, it was going to be for a short period of time. And then, you know, the book launched and I realized that this, this was going to be harder than I thought it was going to be financially. And so, you know, you also like wear out your welcome or you don't advantage of people. So you've got to kind of be aware of those limits. And, and it's just, it looks different for everybody, but I guess like 
overall, I think the, the biggest point is like, how badly do you want it? Because if you really want it, you'll be willing to, you know, put in the work, get uncomfortable, sure. ask for help. Um, or you can let those obstacles be excuses not to move forward. Yeah, and, and it is tough. And that actually leads to the next topic that I want to kind of touch on, um, which is mental health. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of mental health and being mindful of it. And I just think, you know, when you're jumping into the unknown, jumping onto a train, holding on for dear life, um, it's easy for your mental health to, to spiral and to mm-hmm. lose track of that. What have you done or can you suggest for people to kind of be one, be mindful of and two, um, do to help themselves strengthen their resolve and their mental health, especially if they're taking a chance like this? Yeah. So I, back when I was writing the book, I did, um, I took a lot of walks on the beach Mm -hmm. and I stopped watching the news like completely. And in the morning, instead, I started to listen to just like positive motivational stuff. It started as YouTube videos and then I got into podcasts. So I think being aware of what you're consuming is important. And there's some people like, you don't watch this. I get it. But also like, you're right that you, you know, your mental health can kind of start to deteriorate. You've got to do stuff to kind of counterbalance yeah. your mind, maybe going into those negative spaces. So you need to consume like a little bit more positive information. And so I think you can still, you can still get your news, you know, at some point in time during the day, but I'm a big believer that first thing in the morning, like whatever your morning routine is, and it differs for everybody, but have a morning routine that sets your tone for the day and kind of gives you that breather and, I would keep it positive. So probably not checking email first thing when you wake up, not watching the news or checking social media. So I am, I've realized that like I working out for me is a must for my mental health. Like, yes, there's the physical health benefits, but for me, I don't know. It's, it's like a, a therapy, like a little hit of mm-hmm. thing. So, and I like to do it in the morning. So I work out in the morning. I, I was really good at getting into like some meditation and then I got out of that. And now I've just recently started to try and get back into it. But I'm also a big fan of taking walks outside. Um, I'm, I'm lucky that I live close to the beach so I can go over there and take my shoes off and walk in the sand. But I mean, there's some like legit research on the power of being in nature, but then also if you can be barefoot, like feet to the earth, like that's like a grounding And so, I mean, you know, some of this people say like, it's like a little bit woo woo, but a lot of the most successful people in the world, like meditate and have these little rituals of like getting outside and, you know, away from our screens and, and just like having quiet time. And it's really hard to do because, you know, the busier you get, or the more you have on your to-do list of like, I've got to do, you know, X, Y, Z in order to, you know, feel good about my day. It's hard to put that stuff away and be like, all right, but I also need to like, just get up and take a walk because I'm feeling frazzled right now. So it's like, you've got to listen to your body and like your mental state and like be aware of that. I am a fan of just like push, 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 push through. Um, some people are, but I just know for me, it doesn't work because what will happen is then I will crack and I'll be exhausted or I'll, you know, just start crying all day. Like I will have some kind of a, like an emotional crack if I, if I don't pay attention and kind of honor the, the rest periods. And there's a book I read. Um, it's a short, easy little read. It's called recharge. It's by, um, Heidi Hannah. And she talks about how everything is cyclical. So it's like, you know, we can go, 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 go. 
but then like, we've got to come down so that we can like recharge to be able to go, 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 go. So I try and like remind myself of that when I feel like I'm, I'm on, on like high speed for a little too long. So I, there were several things that you said that really caught me that I really liked. One, you have to protect yourself, right? I mean, if, if turning off the news is what you have to do, that's what you have to do. Two, um, totally agree with you that setting how you handle your morning routine, whether it's meditation, whether it's uh, affirmations, gratitude. I've told you that before. Those are good things. A friend of mine reminded me to do affirmations for myself, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to help set the morning. Because if you start off with a positive mindset, a positive attitude, it will set the tone for the day. Hands down, absolutely. Research has shown it. Experience has shown it. You know, but if you wake up and you start looking at the news and you see the negative stuff coming, right? Because it's just going to... If you get hit with that, you get hit with, hey, why do we have to do this? Uh, this is due today. We need this, right? That stress is going to start and affect your ability in the mornings, and it's going to set the tone for the day. So absolutely, listen to Casey. Take at least five to ten minutes. You know, take some time just to sit and think and be positive. Can't emphasize that one enough that she said. Um, totally believe it. Totally encourage it. And. There's one other and I can't remember it now, but I agree with everything you said. Uh, no, but I love how you said just five or 10 minutes. Cause I think a lot of times people hear like, Oh, morning routine. And now you want yeah. me to sit in like 30 minutes. No, like really start small. And like, I guarantee you, like you will start to notice a difference and then nothing is more motivating than results. Like that's mm-hmm. the case. With everything. So if you start to notice like, Oh wow. Like I feel better today. I was less irritated in traffic or, you know, whatever it is. Like I was more in the moment coming home from work, like and playing with my children or, you know, actually sat and had a conversation instead of, you know, just immediately like turning on Netflix. Like you'll start to notice these changes. And then that kind of just furthers those like healthy habits. Absolutely guys. Hands down. Now, Casey, I've loved every minute of our conversation and you have so much to share. What is one thing you would tell these guys to do today to chase their dreams? So I would say just take the first step. That's it. Like break it down. Do not think far in the future. Like just take that first step and then that like you're okay. Everything's okay. So then you can probably then take the next step. And so I think a lot of times we attach all these like fears to certain, to even just starting the process, our mind goes way into the future. It's like, but then this is going to happen. No, it's not like you're taking step one. So like, just start there. That's awesome. Casey, thank you so much for joining us today, talking, having this amazing conversation. If these guys want to reach out and connect with you, how can they do that? Yeah. So my website is caseymain.com. That's K-A-C-I-E-M-A-I-N. And you can find all my socials there. Um, I have an email list. I do like a weekly email. Um, I just started my own podcast. It's called uh, The Better You Podcast. So you can find that there. But yeah, the website is the, the best place to find everything about me. That is awesome. Casey, thank you again. Guys, you guys can learn more and find all of the links that Casey mentioned over on the show notes page at amyj21.com slash episode 205. That's episode 205. Thank you once again to Casey Main for showing up and sharing her story and journey. And guys, so many nuggets. Definitely listen to her and take some time to just have a positive mindset to start the day. All right. Till next time, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. 
Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Keep chasing.